You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Now, there's been an interesting article published in The Conversation by a University of Western Australia researcher and an expert by the name of Simon Driver. He's basically made an argument that Australia should have its own space program, like a space agency, like Mm. NASA has, and JAXA, which is the Japan Space Agency, European Space Agency, Russia has Roscosmos. So all of the kind of leading space-faring countries in the world have got their own agencies. Now, Australia doesn't have, we don't necessarily have the satellite launching capability that America does, for example, or Japan or India or a lot of other countries, but... We do have technologies that are used by other countries to support their operations because of where Australia is. So the Deep Space Network has receiving dishes in America, Spain and in Australia. Mm -hmm. Tidbinbilla in Australia is the Deep Space Network station just outside Canberra. That's vital to all, you know, basically all of the deep space operations that that, uh, the US does. For example, you know, the Cassini orbiter at Saturn. We talked about the the Mm -hmm. close shaves of the rings that are happening right now. None of the information from that orbiter would be usable by anyone and you wouldn't be able to go to the website and see those amazing photos and data being collected almost in real time within a couple of days often or a day Mm -hmm. of being received if it wasn't for the deep space network and the ground stations in Australia. Mm. Similarly in Western Australia the European Space Agency has a receiving station. These facilities are actually they're looking at upgrading them because of the amount of data that's now being sent back because the data rates have increased and the instruments have become more sophisticated. Mm The requirement is now to actually have bigger receiving dishes right. on Earth, mm-hmm. and so they're upgrading. They've, I think they've added a dish to the Tidbinbilla tracking station. Mm-hmm. A lot of the work to build that is done by the CSIRO, which is our kind of peak scientific body. Yep, funded Gov- by gov- the government. Government funded, yeah. but kind of has a private sector linkage as well. So it's in, you know, it works Sell closely the IP with kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it works closely with Australian private businesses, and it also yeah it can make money out of IP and stuff that it develops. Yep. The argument that's being made by this professor from Western Australia, Simon Driver, is that Australia's involvement should go deeper than that. Rather mm-hmm. than just providing some services and, and being this sort of vital communication link, in mm-hmm. fact, the, the first landing on the moon back in 1969, the pictures were actually received in Tidbinbilla before they went to America. Yep. But none of our scientific institutions actually get a bite at that data before it gets returned to the Americans. And that's kind of fair enough. It's an American mission. It's mm-hmm. American funding that's sent that mission off there in mm-hmm. American technology. They get the data via Australia straight back to them. Yep. The argument is that we need to be more deeply involved in the process, in the science. Mm. I'm not convinced, yes. Well, look at the success of the private space industry over in America now. Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos, SpaceX, Elon Musk, we talk about it often. Mm -hmm. Bigelow Aerospace with inflatable uh, modules that are actually now being used up at the International Space Station. And private cargo ships that that regularly go up to the International Space Station and do the jobs that were provided by government. So that, to me is the sort of thing that Australia needs to be encouraging. And the argument is that you need a, an agency, a centralised and um, centrally organised space agency mm-hmm. to coordinate that effort, yeah. at, at that private-public partnership. Mm-hmm. And just as an aside, the Kiwis, if you wanted a, a, you know, nothing more than just a trans-Tasman rivalry, yeah. well, the Kiwis have got a thing called Rocket Lab and they're launching CubeSats and small satellites mm-hmm. 
from New Zealand now. That's an American company mm-hmm. that has been enticed to invest directly in New Zealand, taking mm-hmm. advantage of its geographical position, yep. similar to Australia. These are little imaging and communication small-scale satellites that using a, a thing called an electron rocket, uh, which is a small-scale rocket. But if the Kiwis can do it, why, why can't Australia? Well, I think one of the reasons is the government takes money out of CSIRO, so there's not much there. And then the, the top scientists, they end up going overseas anyway. So they, they're looking for work, whether it be SpaceX, going over to these institutions. Now, yes, if we created our own here, there's potential, but there would be certainly a money difference in terms of what they could make locally versus what they can overseas. And we see that not just with yeah, the space program, the it's with other industries mm. as well. The mm. tech industry, for example, you can make much more money going over to Silicon Valley. I mean, this is yeah. a fundamental question that's going to need to be addressed because one of the things that the CSIRO, and I'm going to come to it as a, as a later feature because they've just had those BHP Science and Engineering Awards have been made recently, but it's estimated by 2030, 40% of current Australian jobs will probably won't exist as we know them, and the pathway to the careers of the future will most likely come from STEM education, so mm. science, technology, education, mm. maths. How do we stop people, who, if we, we may educate them really well in that area, but yep. how do we stop them going overseas? Now, the only way we can do it is if we've got jobs that are comparable yeah. and attractive to them. Yeah. A lot of people would prefer to live in Australia. Yeah, of course. But if yeah. they can make a much better living overseas, then they'll do their, their postgraduate studies often overseas mm-hmm. and then they'll wind up settling over there. They might marry a local and then they're gone. Then that, that I, talent, I, that education's lost. I think it's also attractive because you're going to rub shoulders with the, you know, the, the people that sure. high up there. So sure. it's, it's not something where you can sort of start up an agency here and say, well, yes, we've got this. We've got the highest pay. No, no, you've got to build it up. And not have the expertise there. Take, yep. That takes maybe generation to get the expertise that you've got to start somewhere I mean don't forget we used to have a a rocket industry we used to and there's still a rocket range there at Woomera in South Australia about Mm -hmm. 500 k's north of Adelaide Mm -hmm. and from the 1950s through to the 1970s that was a very active rocket range for you know nuclear testing as well well, missile tests you know like technologies involved with the ballistic missiles delivering nuclear warheads all that sort of stuff was tested there and apparently it remains the largest inland rocket range in in the western world Mm -hmm. and it's got a lot of advantages it's got a very stable climate and it's a vast area. I mean, it's, well, it's enormous. Well, the problem I see is there's no long-term vision with this kind of thing, with, particularly with the governments and as they fund it. So we find that one government gets in and they cut funding. The other government comes in and they increase funding. Or maybe that same government would change the funding around. And there's no real vision for this kind of thing. So, look, I guess it's a good start. It could be good to find some more information about this program that they're proposing. But it could be a significantly long time before there's the sort of expertise and the attractiveness to have this viable for Australia in the future, I, I would think. that's Yeah, I mean, they're suggesting that with the push to Mars, which Elon Musk has been talking about, he wants to you know, start launching 2018, they want to, that next year, they mm-hmm. want to land a, a large rocket on the surface, a, a mm-hmm. powered descent, and they want to send a colony there starting in the early 2020s. America's talking about doing it a bit later than that. The Russians have, have signalled an interest, the Chinese have as well. So the argument is that as the world gears up for that push to Mars mm. and becomes a kind of a thing that everyone's interested in achieving, then Australia should be wanting to be part of that. The other argument is also that, you know, from a strategic point of view, we should have this technology. You know, satellites can do a lot for securing your borders. It gives you surveillance ability that you mm. wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. From a security point of view, it's argued that, that we, we need to develop this technology. And look, there's good things that come out of having the scientists in our own backyard that, that work on this because 
you know, Velcro was was discovered uh, or created for the first space program, wasn't it? it was, yeah, that's right. So there's Teflon. It, 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 all of these kind of other computer science. Yeah, it comes out mm. of government funded programs. You, you put money into it, and then you, you can take that technology and put it into other people's lives. So if we had our own, maybe that's something that we can sell to other countries. And as I'll well. just quote yeah. just to finish this, uh, just quite directly from Simon Driver of the University of Western Australia. He says that joining this industry, this space industry, as a meaningful player at this late stage is not going to be easy but it is undoubtedly critical for our economic and scientific future and our security Mm. so whether you agree that or not we will post links this is an article in the conversation written by simon driver well i hope you enjoyed that was a pre-recording of a piece that we recorded back in february 2017 about whether australia should have its own space agency john was a little bit iffy on the subject i was pretty pro the idea and in fact just announced this week at the 68th international astronautical congress that's being been held in adelaide about 5,000 delegates from around the world from various uh, branches of the space industry simon birmingham who's a uh, government front bencher he made the announcement that Australia will, in fact, have its own dedicated national space agency yet to be named. And if anyone has any suggestions of a proper name, not NASA, though, not, not the uh, not National Australian Space Agency that's been taken by the Americans. It stands for other things. If anyone has any great ideas about what you want to call our own Aussie Space Agency, then please let us know. Go to our website, beyondinfinity.com.au, and you'll find our social media handles, both Twitter and Facebook, or you could even email us. But our just starting point is our website to make contact and give us your suggestions, and we'll, we're very happy to read them out on air for what you think the new Australian Space Agency should be called. There's a, a very substantial industry to cash in on, and apparently it's worth $420 billion worldwide, has the potential to create thousands of jobs and it's also something that Australia has been involved in as you heard in that podcast I just played back in the 50s through to the 1970s Australia was quite active launching satellites and developing rockets with some quite heavy payload capability developed at Woomera in South Australia just north of Adelaide that's still a missile range but it could be converted back to a rocket range and uh, become one of the bases of the new Australian Space Agency. So that is exciting news and uh, it's a long time coming. There's been talk of doing it. There's been various investigations and inquiries done by federal governments over the years. They've rejected it because they didn't think it was worth having it. So they've kind of generally rejected on the basis of cost and the sort of cost-benefit analysis well now the time seems to have come for us to have a dedicated space agency and it is being very heartily supported by the likes of the south australian government they want to see woomera back in action western australia has put its hand up also as a place that would like to have an active role in the new australian space agency it'll be up to the federal government to determine where these nodes are around the country but they are aiming to try to make this uh, a nationally spread out industry coordinated possibly in Canberra maybe from South Australia somewhere the exact details haven't been announced and neither has the name it's a positive step forward apparently the Australian like 
whether it's building microsatellites or providing services or technology to other spacefaring countries around the world, well, our industry has been growing over the last 10 years at 10% a year. It's worth $4 billion per year now. The aim is to expand that beyond that very high growth of the last 20 years. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestions for future shows.